On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we get a tutorial on crypto from the crypto expert, Josh Hermsmeyer. Actually, no, we get a glimpse into his mind, which is nice. It's an interesting place. It's an interesting thing to learn about. And then we talk a little bit of football and we actually give you guys in advance the winners of the Super Bowl. So with that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage and sports gambling is... Welcome to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast where we have one of the top three most controversial figures on the entire internet. It's uh, Donald Trump and then who is number two? Probably Chris Liss at this point, and then Josh Hermsmeyer, the top three. So, wow. Josh, explain to us your stance on crypto and why you think it's the biggest fraud since the number one person on the internet. Yeah, so, so hide that, that all together. That that's interesting, and I, I know you had me on because it's having a dip right now. So I'll start. I'll start by just saying that uh, uh, the price and my opinion are completely uncorrelated. Unlike crypto and the broad market, which is part of the reason why I think it's a bit of a fraud. If, if crypto is supposed to be a hedge, right, against what, the apocalypse, where the, the entire infrastructure that supposedly supports, you know, the petrodollar that supports our entire, our entire economy, if all that goes away or if all that starts to crumble, then this is supposed to be this anti-inflationary hedge, this way to kind of find a path through the forest where there'll actually be something that'll hold value to that. Well, then you would hope that it would not be correlated with the broad market. When the broad market takes a shit, um, you would hope that it would uh, do something completely uncorrelated with it. And we find that, you no, know, you know, people get scared and they dump both their stocks and, they, and their positions in crypto. That's one part of it. The other part is just like logical, like our imaginary digital money is somehow going to be something you can actually transfer to other people when the fundamental underpinnings of the economy have gone away, like the, the petrodollar that supports our electrical grid and all, all the rest of things is, sub, is somehow not going to uh, affect. But, so our- that, but that's that, that's saying that it, the only value of it is as a hedge or as an alternate to the apocalypse, right? Well, and the reality, the reality is that there is there is a lot of value to it from a, like so the way that I got into to crypto at, at any means was because literally like that's what people were transacting with in the betting world. And that's when I became like, like interested in it because this I was like, this has actual real utility to me. Like I was never interested in it from a speculative standpoint or even from a non-correlated market standpoint. It was because it became useful to me. And then as it became useful to me and, you know, like I, I started, I think I've told the story, I started buying and it was like 14K and every day I'd buy like, you know, the max and every day would go up and i'm like this is the easiest thing in the world but then when it went to 18 i was like oh that's too high and so i stopped buying it but the point is that it has utility right and that's to me and even like a lot of the projects that are being built and the things that are that are happening with uh blockchain broadly crypto i feel like your stance is a bit um it kind of like 
is is undervaluing the the utility that could come from from some of these new technologies. Well, I mean, the problem I have with it writ large, the reason why the reason why I talked about you know the the, the grand scheme of Bitcoin is because it actually that is like the best possible world. Like, like that is the view of crypto, the crypto utopians, the maximalists. That's their view of it. That's the, that's why they think it is good. It was built because in 2008 we had a, a crash that was, from their view, largely caused by our inability to trust the institutions that we were transacting with, and so you needed a trustless system. And so this was a this was a big part of the motivation to create crypto and or Bitcoin at least. Crypto as we see it now, though, I I, I agree with you. Like I I had a crypto position, like we were talking off the air. I had a crypto position because I was betting last year, and like so you're right. Like it is like the it is the currency of betting. And so I understand why bettors like crypto because I mean, while I was betting, I did well, but I made more on the appreciation of crypto. It was, it was just dumb. The whole thing was really stupid to me. And uh, so I got out at whatever it was, 42 or whatever, because it just seemed silly. The whole thing doesn't make sense to me. So uh, just, I, does, I, the stock, does the stock market make sense to you? Well, I mean, stock markets, you can trace back to cash flows. and, and, and I mean, but it's very right, but wait, loose. I mean, the value, what about gold? Does the value of gold make sense to you? I mean, what do you do with gold? Do you, do you build houses with it? Do you, I mean, maybe Vegas Dave does. I don't know, but. Um, I don't know. Like, like, like you can't gold? quit Vegas Dave or Zilbo. It's the, it's the weirdest thing that you got to bring both of those guys up as much as possible. Well, we're, we're just trying to help people that are playing bet the process bingo. But my point is that gold, the value of gold in the value of the U.S. dollar is is based is based on the perception that it has value. Well, Agreed? I mean, it's also backed by the U.S. government, which is you know something, and and I think gold is backed by the fact that it's you know really fucking pretty, and people make jewelry out of it. And if I had a lump of gold in the apocalypse, it would probably still have value. If I had a cold wallet in my pocket, you know, I'd probably get I'd probably get shanked. Yeah, but so, you know what? I mean, I, I was going to say, if you have gold and I have a gun and bullets, then I will have gold. Right. I mean, correct. correct. I mean, doesn't like, have if, the we're, same if we're talking about like, value in the apocalypse, I, but I'm just saying I can still hit you in the head with a gold nugget and that might have value. I'm not doing anything with my with my cold wallet. Right. So 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 the idea that its value is based on perception, I don't think is revolutionary. I mean, because that is the case with gold. But what I don't I, I guess what I don't understand is is exactly how to put a value on like what should the market cap of Bitcoin be? You know, and I think that's what I, that's what I don't know, and that's what nobody's really been able to tell me. They say, "Oh well, people could say based on the market capitalization of gold worldwide, like in in the utility of Bitcoin well, relative to that." Like, but let, let me let me get to the parts that I really hate because like Bitcoin, I actually like I have conversations with smart people about Bitcoin, and I am I'm less severe in my criticism of Bitcoin. I mean, at the very Are you least, referring to this conversation with smart people or other smart people, I obviously include you guys. My goodness. So the 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 idea behind Bitcoin, I mean, they actually have proof of work. They actually you have to expend energy to create this thing. So there is this notion of scarcity you can tie back to some cost. But this proof of stake is nonsense. I mean, it is truly nonsense. Like if you look at what's going on with like Tether and UDST or whatever the hell their, their, their coin is called. I mean, they just three days ago minted a billion dollars. Now, this is the company that when they started said it was 100% supported and tethered to US dollars. Like this was a 
this was a stable coin. This was one of the first. So the idea was 100% back. We have 100% in reserves. Then they said, no, it's only 76% reserves. Then they got sued by the New York district attorney and they released some numbers. And even they are kind of suspect, but it's down to 3%. And then just yesterday or two days ago, three days ago, they minted a billion US dollars. So part of the problem with these type of coins is what do you do with that? What's we're all, you guys are smart. What's a good way? What's a good grift? I would say a really good grift, right? Is to mint all those coins, transfer them to Bitcoin, which is slightly more stable, right? Until your coin crashes and then exit with the Bitcoin. And because that, that can probably withstand you selling large amounts without crashing the price. It has enough market cap and enough liquidity that you could actually get out that way. I think these these types of things are happening all the time in crypto, all the time. They certainly are. And, and, and we know it happens even in regulated markets. Look at what just happened to JP Morgan. They were just fined $920 million for spoofing, for spoofing. I mean, what they did was they put fake orders into the market, propped up price with that and took advantage of it. And they just got fined by the government in the commodities exchange, almost a billion dollars. So, I mean, if JP Morgan is out there doing it, oh my goodness, what's going on in these other oh, of course. Markets? And how much is that okay, price so, so, propping up Bitcoin? Sorry. No, no, I, I agree. I, I agree that there are bad actors and their incentives to, you know, there's rug pulls, their incentives for people to do things that are unethical and, and because you can make a lot of money that way. But does that, I guess, to me, that's sort of separate from the technology, right? It's well, so that that's kind of like that's kind of my main issue is like right now I agree that any any new technology I mean like email think about how many scams email has created think about how many scams email is so bad because I gave money to a Nigerian prince yeah I mean like all of this it 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 sort of like I think the thing that bothers me about your opinion or your your stance on this like broadly is is it's it's um it's under you know, like you're underestimating or at least undervaluing the potential value and innovation that will come out of like the general technology that is blockchain and crypto and whatnot. And like NFTs even still, like I agree these pricing on NFTs and these pump it, like it's, it's ridiculous, right? It's like, who knows? But the, but I guarantee you there's going to be very important companies built applications, like things that are you know, I was, I was, I had a friend over last night who was a VC and he asked me if I've seen any interesting technologies that are tying NFTs to climate change, right? Like climate change companies that are trying to use NFTs to fight climate change. And I was like, I had no idea what the hell he's talking about, but I just kind of smiled and nodded. My point is that there are smart people thinking about, you know, how to leverage these things for good, not evil. And sort of like the point of view that you take what bothers me about it is it's not acknowledging that there is real potential value being developed by people who are working on, you know, crypto and blockchain, et cetera. Well, what is the blockchain? So when, when it first came out, when, when Bitcoin first came out and there was some ability to actually create your own coins and blockchains back in probably 2011, I was messing around with it. I made my own coin and I coded one up. It's not hard. Anyone can do it. And, uh, and just to understand the technology. And so what is the blockchain? I mean, did you love blockchain and blockchain didn't love you back? Is that what's happening here? 
No, I just didn't see the value of blockchain itself. Like if you talk to engineers, like VC are a different class of, and I understand why they like, and we can get into this. I understand why VC like the idea of, of, of crypto. So you're just like um, saying the concept of a decentralized ledger is not that novel. It's just a, it's a link list. It's a link list and it's, and it's not solving a problem that isn't better solved by just a distributed database. Rufus, you got anything to say to that? Or are you too busy checking the problem, out? Well, no, I think it, the, I think it has to, it's a problem of trust, trust in our institutions. I think in the United States, it's, you know, not as, I mean, it's certainly there's people that still have a lot of distrust of the government. Um, you, you don't need also, crypto for that. You what if, what if you're in, what if you're in a different country? What if you're in Zimbabwe or what if you're in, I don't know, a El country Salvador, with, El Salvador. I mean, the, the, the point is that it is, it, it I mean, if you want to, like, if you are relying on one entity, there is there are huge points of failure. No, no, but but I, I'm 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 saying a distributed, a distributed database. Like, check out the Solid Project. It's created by Tim Berners Lee, the guy that created the motherfucking web, and it's it uses no this Al Gore created the web. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> and so so this guy has created this really cool uh, system of pods, distributed. They can live anywhere. They're mobile. Um, you own your data. You release your data to whom you desire, and you can retract your data, the ability for people to access it whenever you like at an atomic level. The idea behind it is really cool. And there's a, a, an open source company called NextCloud that just integrated with this technology. Um, NextCloud is based out of, I think, Germany, but it, a lot of people use their software, and it's fully free open source software. And um, and, and, but the idea behind it is a lot about what you're talking about, but this is a solution that really respects people's privacy. It allows you to have distributed, non-centralized data and you maintain control. And then there's no gatekeeper and there's no blockchain. You don't need it. It's absolutely irrelevant to the solution. And I think so often what you see in crypto is people trying to find a solution to fit this technology. And I just don't see really good applications from it that actually make a ton of sense other than for people who are trying to take advantage of other people. What about people that are trying to get paid by sports books or by, or people that need to pay Jeff Ma for losing at the Calcutta? I, I have to admit, and I have used Bitcoin for betting. It is like, it's a killer app for bettors. I agree with that. All right. Well, we can move on. It probably, it probably is useful for drug dealers too, though. It is. I, I, now well, I, mean, I now better understand your point of view. Yeah. I don't completely agree with you, but I understand your point of view. And we're better people for it, right? Like if we could, if we could do this all right now in the world, then we'd probably be better off, like where people could agree and we didn't, we didn't attack each other, et cetera. So let's move on to football where I think we might start attacking each other. Before, before we move on, can I ask... Um, I want to agree. I agree, Jeff, that, that I like, I like that we're having a positive discussion of understanding. Yeah. I haven't, I've only had like one glass of wine tonight, so that's why we're having the positive discussion. Okay. <laughs> um, what Josh, you hold zero crypto. Is that, is that correct? Correct. No, he has Bitcoin. No, he said he no, sold. no I, I, I sold. Hmm. Jeff, what percentage of your worth would you say is in crypto? 
of my like my worth like my light like I'm, I'm my human worth or my no. like net worth like like because well, my your, human your, worth your, i your feel human like worth, it's like a thousand so, percent right um i don't know it's negative. probably if you take my house and everything like i don't know 10 percent. no less than that less okay. than that five percent maybe what was interesting 5%. to me was i was at the um I was in New York City during when the during the NFT conference, and and I um, met some people that I thought were like huge, you know, in the NFT crypto space. And I assumed that they'd all have like ninety percent of their net worth in in crypto or NFTs. And most of them were like, yeah, like ten percent, fifteen percent, you know. I mean, there was the person with ninety five percent too, but 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 it's, I mean, I think the, there is also the incentive for these things to talk it up, promote it because create the perception that it's good because that, you know, will help inflate the prices, right? Before, before we bounce on this topic, I just want to, there's one other thing and it's hard to convey this in on Twitter. So I don't try and be earnest about things, but my, I think my point of view is like, I have no problem with like, you know, rugged self-reliance in my own life. Like, I mean, like, I think that's great. Like, let's all, I mean, not let's all for me, let's go out and like, let's fight, let's battle. And like, you know, I'll, I'll take my risks and I'll, I'll have, I'll live my life that way. But I mean, we were talking a little Rufus before. I mean, there are people in my life right now who, who can barely get out of bed. And I don't want a world, I don't think it's rational or reasonable to have a world where we foist that kind of struggle upon them in, in, in the very currency or the fundamentals of the economy they, they operate in. I think that it needs to be much, 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 much more fleshed out than it is now for me to ever even think it has a shot. Like in terms of the world. Are you saying like the people argument. can't get out of bed because they lost a bunch of their net worth in crypto or what are you talking about? I just mean that, that people. Or you just mean they're lazy? No, mental health issues. Like, I mean, true, like reasonable reasons for not, not being able to compete right now um, or, or for the foreseeable future. Like, I mean, I just think there are some people who can barely get into work every day and we want them to be out there like fighting with some of the sharpest, most like, like legitimate sharks out there in a space that it actually is. And we want that to be like the currency they use. Like they want, you want that to be the foundation of our economy. Like that just seems wildly irresponsible. Wait, is anybody saying Bitcoin should be the foundation of the economy? Are you, I, did you move to El Salvador? No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm saying like these Bitcoin maximalists, that's their argument. They think that eventually the dollar and, and fiat's going away. And I just think, well, we're going to have the digital dollar. Well, so you backed by the United States government. Right. That's, not what they, that's not what they want. And I agree. I always thought that was the end game, but they're like, no, no, that's crap. No, we, we will never support that. I no, and I, I mean, aren't they I, like I, nihilists I, or fascists or something? I mean, like, like you're, you're kind of going again, this is like largely why, you know, we were we were going to have Chris Liss on at one point, and we probably still will. But the 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 thing that I that bothers me, right, is that is these extreme point of views where you're taking this extreme point of view to basically say like that is the the core of your issue with Bitcoin, when there are a lot of really important applications that are coming out of it, and like, I mean the the we're a long way away from Bitcoin becoming the central like currency of the united states of america right yeah yeah i mean, I mean we'd all agree we're a long way like that is not a fear that i wake up every morning and worry about 
Oh, no, I definitely don't. But I, the idea behind Bitcoin is that's where they want it to go. They don't want, or at the very least, a parallel economy. So I, and I just think if we, if we can't protect these people and we're going to expect them to compete with the, the fittest out there in something so fundamental, I, I think that that's um, misguided. All so right. That's, that's, well, kind, we'll of, that's kind of my take. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, you kind of lost me there. And, and I think it's a, a stretch. I kind of understand what you're saying, but um, again, there's, you know, we, we've created a lot of the genies out of the bottle, Pandora's box kind of technologies in our lives. And that doesn't mean we should stop using them ultimately. And I think we're going to figure things out. Like anytime the internet used to be the wild, wild west for a while. Right. I mean, just think about how much stuff has happened with the internet. Right. And like, Right. I'm not saying regulation is the answer, but we do figure things out over time. We're pretty smart as humans. Like, I think you have a little bit of, you have, you have a very, you're, you have now very, a very uh, um, pessimistic, sad view of, of humans, especially Bitcoin maximalists. <laughs> oh, definitely Bitcoin maximalists. I think they're sharp. I know. I, I had to but... throw that in there to bring you back into the, the conversation. Can we talk football? Sure. Let's talk football. Uh I think the real question for you right now is Harbaugh's decision. And I know it wasn't really an analytics decision, blah, blah, because they're out of cornerbacks and it was probably like, but like, what's going on with your Ravens? Um, like, yeah. inj- is it just as simple as injuries? Like, is that like, tell us, tell us what, should we be as, should I as a Patriots fan be worried about the Ravens right now? Oh, I mean, on any given Sunday, right. But I think no. Largely, I think they'll probably make the playoffs, but I don't I don't see how they actually make any noise, unfortunately. And, and one of the things was like after watching them against Cleveland, I kind of had this feeling like, wow, this team is not very good at all. And they really don't have much of a chance. And then when they lost Marlon Humphreys, it's kind of like, uh, oh, the finality of it. I mean, it almost made it OK to be like, yeah, they're not they're not doing anything this year. And and there's and there's plenty of reasons why now, like and and to lose now both your starting uh, cornerbacks and basically have your entire secondary injured, as well as the line. And and while I don't put much stock in the running backs or the, the fact that they're replaceable is, is pretty well proven out. Um, when you lose like three or four, you're you're you're, you're scraping the bottom of a barrel that um, you're no longer at replacement level, right? You, you're you're well below replacement, and that probably does harm a team like the Ravens where. They're so run heavy. So long story short, yeah, I do think it's, I do think it's the injuries. I think also uh, Lamar played half a season and, 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 and he did pretty well Uh, last month and change. He has not played well. Um, And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a recipe for a, for a bad team or, or a team that has just gotten lucky. He's gotten lucky. What what do you think Lamar's struggles are coming from? I think he's injured a little bit. I don't think he's as quick as he was. Um, and I think that's a big part. And he's still very fast. Don't get me wrong. But like he used to, he used to make people look extremely silly. Now he just, I, I've seen guys close on him from behind this year from like linemen and stuff like that I've never seen before. Um, maybe he's just taking a little bit longer to get going. Uh, but I think he's been banged up. And you remember he did that flip into the end zone early in the season. And then people said, you know, perhaps he was injured off of that. And then, that kind of went away. Um, I've talked to some folks who watch him closely and they've said they think he's 
you know, a little dinged up. He hurt his ankle in the middle of that game uh, uh, this past week. So I think uh, I think the uh, the Ravens should probably be pretty proud of what they accomplished this year, given all the circumstances. But I, yeah, I'm pretty well out on them uh, in terms of making any noise in the playoffs. Who's your Who's your team then in the AFC? Gosh, that is a really good question. I still think my AFC pick is is the Chiefs. You know, despite everything. I think that feels like everyone's choice. Um, do we do we feel like this Chiefs defense resurgence is real? Like Rufus, what are your numbers say on that? Like, you know, they've certainly played much better from a results standpoint, but is is the process looking good for them too? Um, for their defense? Yeah. It is I'll pull up my ratings. It can be great to see what it has looked like the last three to four weeks in that small sample size where people have said like they found Jesus or something. Well, I mean, they have turned it around by most defensive metrics, but I mean, I think that just goes to the idea that, you know, defensive performance is like the weather and you just never quite know. And, and uh, I mean, even Sorensen, who everyone had completely written off after first month and a half of the season, you know, he got his pick six and, and looked decent. Um, so I just think I think that we can look back and say these past month and a half or whatever it is that they've had a good defense, but I, I don't know how much we can say that it, we should believe it would continue. I agree with that. Um, I have them rated right now as the number 23 defense in the NFL, um, which is a massive step up from where they were before. Let's see, like going into week nine, they were the number – well, I'm sorting, trying to find out what they were. Um, Bell sorting is riveting. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, so they like in the last five weeks they've moved up. You know, they've gained a point and a half on defense in their in their defensive rating. Um, and I bet if you go you go back for even further, it's like um, like even more. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think in, like just like people reacted to the Chiefs start and said, oh, you know, maybe the Chiefs aren't that great. Um, Mahomes is throwing a lot of interceptions. You know, he should have thrown more interceptions last year. He got lucky. You know, are the Chiefs really that good? I mean, you can react to small samples. Um, I mean, think about the beginning of the season. The Patriots weren't going to be very good at all. They barely beat. They had they were started what two and four, and their two wins were against bad teams. They squeaked by. Um, and suddenly they haven't lost. So, uh, you know. Well, so you, you brought them up. We know is that one thing we know is that there's a lot we don't know and that things are going to continue to change. And I think that's that's really important to acknowledge. It's not helpful for betting, though. Uh, can, no, it, we, it is helpful for betting. If you're betting on futures, hell, I ran, you know, I, I use the. Oh, this is the dynamic uncertainty line that we're going to talk about right now. It's important. I, I think it's very important because I think people often think that, you know, this is how good this team is. Let's simulate it out. Well, you know, they, they could be better. They could be worse in the future. Okay. What about the Patriots? You brought them up. What are we to make? What did you guys think of that Monday night game, which obviously was probably one of the, the least entertaining games I've watched. Wait, really? I, I mean, Josh, did you find it entertaining? I, I found it. What? So like when I was a winemaker, we would get, we would taste through wines. Right. And and, and at the end of the day, we like, we would always gravitate towards ones that were interesting, not so much that they were good. We just liked something different or something wildly 
different than what we were used to. And so I kind of like put that game in that bucket. It was just interesting. <laughs> You're like, it smells yeah. funky, yeah. but, and it tastes a little funky, but that's different. So I guess it's interesting. Well, the, the point is you wouldn't want every game to be that way. You wouldn't want to yeah. drink that funky wine every single time you drink a glass of wine. But I think as a change, it's, it's fun. Did, it's like, I love yeah, Did you guys think that Belichick, like uh, I heard a lot of people reacting very positively to Belichick's job in that game. What, what did you guys think of it? Because I had very mixed feelings about it. Uh, so I think, you know, that's Bill Belichick's kind of deal. So the weather, I think we all agree, kind of levels the playing field between teams. And now you're in a position where Bill can, and, and he likes to build his team around execution, right? Executing on simple concepts. And, and, and so I think this really, you know, it played into his hand. I think, you know, people have broken down a couple of the, the one big running play, but it, I have also seen people say, if you take away that running play, something I don't agree with doing, but they say, if you take it away, it was really a 3.3 yards per carry performance by that rushing attack. And so like, yeah, but I think, I think in games like that, where you are pounding it out and you have one big play on the ground that that, that can be determinative. And, and, and it was for Bill. And I think he knew that. And I think he played to that. And so I think you got to give him credit. And I think, Maybe you have to ding Bill the Bills for not running uh, Allen more. Like they, that seems to be their trump card, and um, and they really didn't utilize him on the ground very much. But I don't know. It was it was interesting. It was an interesting game. So w- there were a few things that he did that drove me crazy. One, like w- at the end of the first half, it seemed like he had a free roll with the Hail Mary. Right, they were going in the direction where they could actually get the ball to the end zone. There were seven seconds left on, on the clock. I mean, you think that in his mind, the risk return of doing that is just still too high, like meaning like Mac gets back there and gets tackled and it's a fumble return. And that if, even if the probability of that is very small, the catastrophic, you know, result of that is not worth the risk. Or do you, I mean, like, why wouldn't Belichick do that at that point? I think he viewed this as a game where you, you just, play it tight right you're just a rock at the table and you just you're just not you're not playing any 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 strange cards you're just you're just playing you know premium hands and that's that's just how he that's how he played the whole game so he was like folding you know 10 jacks suited you know all like even you know because it i think as a patriots fan the thing that drove me the craziest and i know that it probably was one of the strengths of the team was how how they resisted doing any play action, right? I felt like if they did any play action in certain situations, they were going to have guys wide open, you know, and like, you know, breaking one or two, like, I I don't know. I, I guess it was just frustrating to me, but at the end of the day, like, that's why he's Bill Belichick because he doesn't care. He's just going to do what he thinks is the right thing to win. And that was like staying on the ground, avoiding mistakes, avoiding mistakes, and like basically like forcing the Bills to beat what he considers to be his best unit is defense in 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 a situation where the ball is very unpredictably moving through the air. So oh, and I think you you're right. The Josh Allen thing running him more would been would have been a huge would have been a huge deal. So do we now think like keep going forward, do we think that um like it should, are the Patriots favored over Buffalo to win the win the AFC East now? They must be, right? Rufus, what do your numbers say there? 
100%. To win the AFC East there, uh, I have Patriots minus 236, Bills plus 241, and Dolphins plus 22627, 22, So that's 226 to one for the Dolphins. That's crazy to think about how quickly that, that, how quickly that has shifted. Well, you're late in the season. It's no, I understand why it is right. But it is, it is interesting to think that, you know, three weeks ago, you probably never would have said that. Right. Yeah. I think at one point uh, this was like the division that was most locked up early on. Right. Yeah. I think the bills bills at some point, the bills were like 90% or something at some point, but you know, not everything that's 90% always wins. Well, so if you go on, 538, which is a great blog. I have to, I have ne- to never, that. never heard of it. Never heard of it. What do, what do you guys do? Why, why you name 538? Is it after a street address? Uh, yeah, exactly. So it's where we used to be located in New York. So the, uh, the bills, if they, if you, you leave all the rest say, well, let's see, I, I'm just going three, three weeks in advance and I'm giving new England a win or excuse me, the bills a win. We then run our simulations. We show 63% chance of the Bills uh, winning the division if you give them that win over the Patriots in three weeks in week 16. So I think that, you know, things are fluid is what I would say. Do you say you give the Bills a 63% chance in that case? If in they that win. case, yeah. If, okay, that's interesting. I, um, but what are their cha- – what, what, you know, they're going to be on the road. They play Tampa Bay and Carolina, which – yeah. Well, no, they're on the road against against New England. They, oh, yeah, they're on, on the road against New England, yes. Exactly. And what, do you, like, what will the line be in that game? That's I what mean, I'm trying I, to pull up. I'm trying to say, well, okay, I would make the line um, New England minus 1.1. So, yeah, I, pretty I, close I think, to a pick. That's pretty fair. But I mean, so, like, so their chances, can we say their chances are basically zero if they lose that game? Oh, yeah. Like, let's see. We give that one a, an L, it goes to half a percent. Wow. So essentially so the break, the, so they have a the 50 flash is that the Patriots if need to beat the bills to win right. the AFC. No, that even then they're only 63% and if they don't, but if they don't, I mean, so basically if it's a 50, 50 chance, I think what, what are we at? Like 81% or something like that. So your numbers almost imply the Patriots have a much greater chance right now than, than my minus two thirty six odds. Oh, wait, no, no, sorry. Bills are 63%. Okay. Right now we have Patriots 76% to win the division. And we have the and we and we have the bills 24 percent. Oh, but if they, okay. So but you're if they, higher on the Patriots than not than I am. We have them as the third overall team. Wow. Yep. Oh. So the AFC then for you is are the Chiefs and the Patriots essentially? Uh, really? Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be because I don't believe in the Ravens. Yeah. Why do you? I mean, I eh, I still believe in the Ravens somewhat. What do, what do you have the so what do you have the Ravens to win their division? Right now we're sixty two percent. So you you say you don't believe in them, but like if you look uh, around, let me see. I, I mean they're gonna points. they're gonna win the division, but like we well, the have, Ravens. Oh, uh, like okay, circa minus one twenty, Superbook minus one twenty five, DraftKings minus one fifty, points bet minus one. Like basically, no no place has odds greater than sixty percent for the Ravens to win the division. Yeah, we're at sixty two. So right. And I'm at minus 135. So my, my point, though, is that it seems like you're pretty high, You're higher than the market on the Ravens. Oh, I see what you're saying. But he's, I think uh, no, the question, no, I, I was, the question I, I, really. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I, I just, I think that they can play 
their division well. I think their coaches are that good, and I think they can still win a couple games here against uh, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. And probably, you know, if they can squeak out a win against the Browns, you know, then obviously they're in. So if and I think they have a good shot in those games. They can win those games. So, but I don't think what I do not think they can win four playoff games. I just I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. They don't. And have we give we, we give them we give them a five percent chance. I think that's that's pretty wild. high. I mean, that's wildly optimistic to me. Let's 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 see what uh, Massey Peabody has there. We have them at um, plus thirteen fifty three. We're higher, so I can yeah. But I mean, market you can get seventeen to one, eighteen to one. Yeah, you can get like there's Superbook has eighteen to one on them available. So basically that's yeah. I'm you're like right. looking at my, I'm looking at my Patriots futures from the beginning of the year. Cause I just decided to put them down at the beginning of the year for shits and giggles. Do you guess what my, to win the Super Bowl odds were? I didn't realize I had so much equity now. I like still as a Patriots fan, I'm having a hard time believing like, cause I'd kind of believed that they were much better than people thought they were. And then everyone was telling me that that was my one weakness as a, as a prognosticator, I mean, I have a lot of weaknesses. And as a human being, I think that's your only weakness. I mean, I, I actually like, I actually uh, DM'd one of the guys on Twitter that was kind of like trolling me about the Ted Knutson interview, and and he was like, "Oh, your DMs are open. That's that's nice." <laughs> but he was very nice about it. I mean, like it's interesting, like when you engage with these people and you're like, "Listen, like I I don't mind feedback at all, but like try to frame it in a." you know, in a, in a constructive way so I can learn from it versus like just shitting on me all the time. Cause at some point it's, you know, my, my thick skinness goes away when, when people tell me how much I suck over and over again, I have to come find Rufus for a big hug. This is like, I feel like I've, I don't know. I feel like my life is complete or something. I'm, 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 I'm somehow like making you a more understanding human being. I'm we a pretty a- understanding human being. You just never see that side of me because it's no, not part of the side that I want to show on the podcast. During the mailbag, you even you admitted that, like, I mean, you uh, you you got very vulnerable, and I was like, "Wow, I was really proud of you." <laughs> All right, enough of the kumbaya shit. Okay, let's move to the NFC. Uh, we got from a future standpoint. Who would you guys guess right now? I mean, obviously, it's easy. Tampa Bay is the favorite. Who after that on Chris? On Chris, well, I would probably guess the Cardinals. Yeah, that's who we. Yeah, got. it's it's the Cardinals at plus three sixteen, and oh no, no, it's actually the Packers. Packers at plus three oh six, and then the Cardinals at plus three sixteen. Then the Cowboys at plus five seventy two, and the Rams at plus five eighty seven. How does that jive with you guys? Rams plus. Um, Josh, you want to go first here? You go ahead. You go ahead. You got something to say? No. Okay. So I, I just ran these Sims before using Massey Peabody. We have um, Bucks at plus two twelve, so we're high on the Bucks. Um, Cardinals plus three sixty eight. Packers plus six thirty. Cowboys plus nine ninety seven. Rams plus seven fifty one. <clears throat> Dark no horses, the Niners at plus 1819. Oh, so the Niners have a little bit of value on Chris because they're plus 1957. And what, what do you have the Washington football team? Um, plus 4066. 
and the, they're plus 5,300. Wow. And the Philadelphia football team plus 40, 15. They're actually called the Eagles and they're plus 5,700. Yeah. So, so you like got some futures value on these teams. Yeah. I think there's uh, uh, Josh, what do you, do you where, where do your rankings line up on this? Uh, I, I guess in the NFC, I, I guess after, after you get past the Cardinals and the Packers um, and the Bucks, I guess it has to be the Bills, but I, or excuse me, the Cowboys, but I just, uh, I don't know. So if they beat Arizona and week 17, we give them an 8% shot to go to the Super Bowl. And I, and that would be winning every game up until and winning Arizona. And then if you assume the Cardinals win but lose to Dallas in week 17, they're still a massive favorite. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really – I'm not a big believer in Cowboys, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, what do you have their division probability at? Right now? Yeah. I think that's – I mean, right now, I mean, because obviously I'm higher on the Eagles and the Washington football team, which – in essence says maybe the division is locked up. Although what like Washington is in the playoffs right now at six and six. So, well, I mean, they play twice in the next three weeks. So we'll, that'll, that'll right. all get sorted, but 80%, 79% right now to win the division. Okay. And that's, that's so just, you're actually, you know, the favorite will favor them so much over the, I have a minus four forty six, So over 80%. And I'm, and I, I feel like I'm very low on the Cowboys here. I mean, I, I, hell I make, I make the line this week. Um, only minus two Cowboys minus two against Washington. So interesting. Yeah. Let me see what we got here. So do you, you like Washington a little bit there plus the three and a half. Gosh, we only have Cowboys half point. Yeah. It was plus five earlier. I haven't, I actually haven't bet it. Um, but like F ESPN's FPI makes it minus 5.6. They're a little higher on the Cowboys. What do you guys make it Josh? Half a point, fifty-two percent. That seems low. Um, so, and I'm down on the Cowboys, and I think that seems low. We must really like how uh, things are going with the QB low. Let me see here. Taylor Heineken. Yeah, we we're giving it. We're giving them plus thirteen, but we're adjusting minus forty-nine for the QB. So, no, we are not really giving them the big benefit. Priors, yeah. Yeah. How about uh, any other games this week, Rufus? You down on? Yeah, so I bet I bet Pittsburgh um, plus three and a half, minus one fifteen. I believe that's still between three and a half. Like you can get a plus three and a half juice or a plus three, at least earlier in the day you could um, plus three plus money. So um, they're on the road against Minnesota. That's one where, um, yeah, um, I also have. I like Carolina this week a lot. Minus three against Atlanta. I don't know what, you know, I don't know if firing Joe Brady helps or hurts them or anything like that, but. What did you guys think about that move? I didn't understand it. I don't understand it either. There's, there's always stuff behind the scenes we don't see though. So, I mean, I feel like people are going to, people are going to come and criticize it and, and there could be something like, unfootball, you know, something that doesn't relate to X's and O's and what ha is happening on the field that happened in the locker room that, you know, I have no idea. I don't, I think that, I think that's all we don't know. 
the public statements are wild though, that, you know, he, he wanted to run 30 something number of times a game and he wasn't getting even half that out of Joe Brady. And that was like, that was the public statement explaining that rule wanted to run that many times and Brady wouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, I think Brady's probably smarter there, but I guess if you don't have a quarterback, I mean, there's a, the, the cam thing is crazy. If you think about it, right? Like I, again, as, as a Patriots fan, having watched that situation with cam last year, just couldn't understand that signing at all. It didn't make sense to me. And like, ultimately, is it Brady's decision? Was that Brady's decision to do that? No, right? I mean, so like, how is he the scapegoat in this situation? And like, he, you know, the decision to sign Darnold, that probably wasn't Brady either, right? So, and the decision to make C-Mac get injured, that probably wasn't Brady either, right? That might have been. Um, Josh, you guys like anything this week? You know, it's been a, a super, super weird year, but I, I agree with, uh, I agree uh, about the, the Panthers. We have them as a 72% to win. I don't know what the current odds are on that and what you can get, but uh, anything else interesting? Like there's just not a lot of interesting games this week. I agree. I mean, Buffalo Tampa is interesting. Yeah. Right? Okay. There, there's the game. That's the game of the week. It's just its importance isn't as high. Like our, our most important game on the slate is the Niners Bengals. And I don't know. This that doesn't really tickle me. You know Fred Warner's not playing, right? And you know you think he's a pretty good he, he was like an important signing, right? He's their best defensive player. Are, are you joking? Are you trolling me? Because I yes, I'm trolling. Yeah, okay, you are trolling me. Yeah. I follow you on Twitter. I follow your persona. You're very different in real life. So I'm now on trying to poke and prod the things that matter to you. I'm always like interested because honestly, like I, I know you're a smart human. So like seeing your takes on Twitter, which can be quite contrarian, I think. And I think sometimes they're like purposefully like contrarian, like on the Fred Warner thing, it's, it, 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 you know, I love your point of view on that. Cause I understand that one and, and maybe largely agree with it, but it would be great to have you tell our seven listeners why you don't like Fred Warner and never like that signing. Yeah. So I, it's not, you don't like, it's not that you don't like the player. It's you don't like the price. And if we were in a situation where we had no salary cap, sign the fuck out of Fred Warner, let's go, you know, um, but we don't and we aren't. And, and so you have to look at it from perspective of capital allocation and it's bad signing because all the reasons, right. Coverage from linebackers is not worth as much as coverage from a defensive back. Coverage from linebackers is even more unstable year to year than it is for defensive backs. And it's not at all stable in terms of how we measure it. And this is a function of our ability to measure it, perhaps not so much as their inherent ability. So I'll caveat that way. But if you're, if you're paying him based on, you know, the grade he got last year in coverage, it's, that's fraught. And then the other part is they get injured the most out of any defensive player, even more than running backs. Um, uh, so like, and all those things came true. The coverage wasn't there. He had a string of maybe four games where he was decent. Um, he, he really wasn't that great filling. So he wasn't that great against the run. Um, and he got injured. So like, it was, it was the trifecta of middle linebacker, off ball linebacker nonsense. And why would you pay some, some guy like 20 million a year um, with all of that risk? How do you feel about the Taysom Hill signing? 
so weird. Like I'm, I, I have, I've had the good fortune to have some drinks with Sean Payton. I think he's a real one. And, and I do not understand what the hell he's doing with Taysom. You think he has picked, do you think Taysom Hill has pictures of Sean Payton in some contra, you know, compromising position? I don't know, man. He's such a, such a smart, good guy. I don't, but I don't understand Taysom Hill. He's a Swiss army knife. I mean, what do you mean you don't understand? You, have you seen a Swiss army knife? They can do lots of different things. I think Taysom Hill could be a better quarterback than most people probably do. And, and the largest reason I think this is being a quarterback in the NFL is incredibly difficult, right? You have to study. You have to watch a lot of film. You have to become a quarterback. This guy has spent his entire career in the NFL doing 18 different jobs. Like, think about, I don't know if any of you guys, Rufus, you're doing a startup right now. Like, Josh, you've been in different businesses. Prioritization and, like, ruthless prioritization is, like, the most important thing to succeeding, right? And if you're trying to do a million different things as Taysom Hill, you're not going to be able to succeed at doing the hardest thing, which is being a quarterback. Like, that's just not fair to him. That's fair, but every time he's tried to be a quarterback, it hasn't really gone that well. Um, you and just, I, well, you can't just try to be a quarterback for like one or two games, right? You got to go into a season and be like, this is all I'm doing and this is what we're going to do. Well, you, you, they, they were battling it out in this preseason and he had a chance to win the job and lost it out to, to, to Winston. So, I mean, right. there you go. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know that he's that good at just being a quarterback. And so, I don't, I don't even think – I mean, Sean Winston was good. arguably – Winston was what, the number one – pick in the nfl right so he has some elite talent yeah i mean he along with a bunch of baggage right like he just throws lots of prayer balls I mean, he's just he's a high variance quarterback so he and what's amazing when i was looking at the numbers what sean payton did to Jameis winston and kind of reining him in this year was unheard of like he throw them he threw the most interceptable passes over what we would expect given his situation and take everything into account over his career the last five years than anyone else in the entire NFL. And this season for the half season, he was healthy and playing. He was throwing fewer of those balls than we would expect. And the only thing that really changed was, you know, his environment and his coach. And I just think that's amazing. Um, he also, if you look at his, his EPA for play this year, it's like at the top of the charts of qualifiers. You know, he's like locked in there, frozen in time um, with, with a really good rating. And, and so I just I think Sean Payton knew he had to go with Winston and, and, and he still signed Taysom Hill to this big, you know, and here's the part. And here's why I can't have a strong take. Understanding these contracts is, is um, I don't want to say it's difficult. It's just tedious. And you really need to have the CBA open in one hand and the entire text of the contract in the other. And I know people who actually have some code to actually, you know, OCR the damn thing and then take each piece out and then give it value. And like, it's, it, it's, it's a difficult thing to do uh, that type of coding and, and to truly understand, um, you know, is it a good or bad contract? I think, um, I don't know if Taysom Hill contract is really as bad as it looked when it was reported by Adam Schefter, but I, I do know that uh, he's not a quarterback at least that's my opinion. And, um, and you probably shouldn't pay a Swiss army knife that kind of money. Um, what, what would you make of going back to the Niners and the Fred Warner thing? Like, 
I have always thought that front office and um, was pretty smart, especially on personnel decisions. Like, do you disagree with that, or or do you do you think it was an outlier, or is this a you know like a one of a litany of bad decisions that they've made? Um, like, I mean, I don't, I don't think they made a bad decision with Garoppolo. Like, he's actually as a percentage of cap next year, he's going to be really affordable. Um, and so I don't think that was necessarily a bad move. But I think aren't they just better known for? dealing with the cap like they're they're really good at the cap yeah i mean parag marate who does all that stuff is very good and that that's kind of like why i'm asking because but i mean that's different than understanding surplus value right i know i think it is there's i think there's i think there's parts of it right if you're managing the cap right part of it is that portfolio theory of like how you actually allocate the assets within the cap right I mean, you have to have a strong sense of positional value. You have to have an ability to understand not only the market, but your internal valuation and rely on it. And I think, you know, so those, those three legs of the stool, and I think they don't have a strong sense of positional value. I will ask them about that because I'm curious about what their take would be about the positional value piece. Do so you think there's more evidence of that than just Warner or? Well, I think Warner is a great example. Like, I, but again, I, I give them credit for Garoppolo. People shit on them for Garoppolo and like, well, you, you know, you picked a quarterback. No, they're doing that exactly right. Like give, give Shanahan options and he's not expensive. And especially next year. Well, okay. What about, what about the Lance decision, right? It's a good decision. Keep on thinking. The Lance decision, like trading up. Cause if you really think he's that good. I, I think if you're going to trade up, it's for a quarterback. Yeah. Got it. They could have Mac. Best quarterback, young quarterback we've seen in the last 50 years. It's be goes to show, it goes to show how much, you know, all these unknowns. You, you really, it, it's, you're making a professional guess. Do you, Josh, you follow any college football? Not really. Uh, I've been following some Michigan this year just because there's a former Ravens guy uh, as their DC and he's just been crushing it. Um, Isn't so, his brother, the brother of the Ravens coach? Or weird is that how that works. That's weird. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little, like, we'll, we'll bore you, though. I'd like to talk a little bit of college football before we get off. Um, fire, fire. That, that, um, that uh, Alabama game, Rufus, Georgia, how much did that change your ratings? I didn't see any of the game, but it changed my ratings, let's see, before. I mean, I have the, the team separated by three points. I have Georgia three points better now. Um, going into it, I had them. I believe, um, I think it was about six points, five and a half, six. So it, it, I'm not actually fine that what that number is, but um, it certainly narrowed the gap. But I still don't think Alabama is a better team than Georgia. So, so do you but, think it was they, it was six? It was six points before, so it's cut in half. So when they play again, there's a reasonable there's a reasonable chance that 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 line's going to be much smaller, right? Well, so um, Matt Metcalf opened. Uh, opened it up like a, a look ahead at, at Circa. He has Georgia minus one. And um, on Twitter, he said uh, he wanted to, he wanted to open that at Georgia minus three, but he got talked down. So. So Bama, well, I mean, it's assuming Georgia, I, I assume that you have Georgia versus Michigan higher than the seven and a half that it opened. Right. Um, I'm, I'm pretty close to market there. George. I, well, no, actually, no, I have Georgia minus. Ten and a half. Yeah, that's what I figured. 
Uh, what do you make that other line? Um, I, I actually kind of like Cincinnati here. I, I took a little bit of 14. Um, I make it 11, but I took a little plus 14. Um, I thought there, you know, it, 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 it's moved down. I kind of thought we might, we might see a little more movement to, to Alabama. So I didn't like go super hard on that because it, it's going to be, you know, this is not a regular season game. I expect you're going to see a lot more, a lot of money came out of Alabama there, or that's what I thought. But, um, that's my brother thought actually. And I kind of, you know, I, I thought it was more likely that you had Alabama money than Cincinnati money, but we'll see. I, I might, if it gets, if, if there's 14s out there again, I will hit them. Uh, do we think anything, do you think anything of the totals? Like maybe that uh, Michigan or sorry, the, the Georgia Michigan over yes. or any, do we have any of that same? Yes. I don't know if you listen to the podcast, Josh, but there was, we had David out on and he talked about, how the there was a lot of value on Alabama Georgia over because when these good teams that their defenses have largely been feasting on bad teams when they play each other they tend to be higher scoring because the the defenses are somewhat overrated because of the competition they've been going against yeah I I did hear that and it was fascinating and you know he's the guy to listen to so yeah and, yeah, and despite despite me not accounting for that nuance, I still liked the over in that game as well. And and I like the over in this Georgia Michigan game. Um, I bet it at forty three and forty three and a half. It looks like it's up to forty four and forty four and a half now. But I make it. Let's see. Um, I make it without weather fifty point four. Is there gonna be no weather? I said. Well, no. I said that? that that's a weather agnostic forecast. And I'm not sure. This is not a domed game, is it? No, it is not. Because I would have, I, that you I would have marked it in my, I would have marked it in my uh, in, indoor thing here. All right, la last thing. Cincy, Alabama is a domed game. Last, last, last question for you guys, and then we'll let everyone go. Uh, fill in the blank. The teams playing in the Super Bowl this year will be. Okay, I'll go first. And you know what I'm going to say? This is what my numbers have it. Tampa Bay and New England. I'll take Tampa Bay Chiefs. Yeah, I'm lower on the Chiefs. I think um, I would love to see Tampa get it New figured out. Love to see it. It'd be so fun. And I think uh, what the ESPN has it at 10% probability of that happening. And uh, that's pretty high. So, so I, I ran – we run um, – Sims using the unabated simulator with the ESPN ratings. And we have, let's see, Tampa Bay plus two without Tampa Bay plus 270, New England plus 308. So you got to do a little math there. But hmm. actually, I can maybe we want to see that as probabilities. That would be easier, wouldn't it? Okay, finally, I lied. Last second to last question or last real last question. Has this last whatever seven game stretch for the Patriots? changed the Belichick Brady narrative in any of your minds? I, I, I have to admit it has, um, you know, and I was, I think last time I was on, I was kind of shitting a little bit on bill and saying, you know, he still has something to prove just a little bit. And uh, I thought as this streak started, I think it was four games in, I think I made a comment at five thirty-eight that, well, you know, this can't last with a rookie quarterback as good as bill Belichick is. And, and it has lasted. So 
Yeah, I got to take the L here. It looks like that uh, Bill is uh, squeezing out every edge he can in the ways he's used to squeezing them and uh, deserves credit. I think, you know, I agree with what you said, Josh. All right. Well, there we go. There it is. It was always, it was always Belichick and Brady got lucky last year. So we'll talk to you all again next week. Uh, thanks for joining us, Josh, and giving us a glimpse into your crypto mind. All the numbers in the simulator system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to end just running off a of Reddit. 